Seishura Podcast, the Music Explorers Podcast. I'm Scoop Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And this episode is brought to you by another fun idea from Jimmy. Yeah, where... called Angst. <laughs> called Angst. Um, <laughs> he wanted to do a nostalgia episode, which I um, I thought it'd be fun, but then the more, like once I started diving in, I, this was a really, really fun episode uh, to do. Basically, no real parameters other than Let's talk about some albums that were really important in our formative years, our kind of initial, when we started coming into our own as, as um, music fanatics, whatever you want to call it, and how did they age? Um, so I'm not sure. I guess I guess we'll just start up like, how did we pick our albums? Okay. If you want, you want to yeah. give, give a quick summary. Yeah, so for me, um, well, so I, I'm actually going to present mine in chronological order from sort of my my shitty beginnings my shitty angst filled beginnings <laughs> to uh my shitty angst filled end of this timeline so uh but i i guess my parameters were more uh stuff i listened to before i was quote unquote musically conscious so like um for me th- th- that's like high school really that's like you know because i think once i got into college and you know um i think by like sophomore year of college because we we were both going to the same college we ended up sort of going and exploring uh you know music stores a lot more Mm -hmm. and sort of getting into weird shit and like that was right around the time i started getting into jazz things like that so i'm counting just pretty much just my high school years um from you know freshman year to senior year and uh you know, sort of uh, not necessarily things because, I, you know, even back then I, I listened to a lot of music, you know, in a lot of different music. So I, I and there's a lot of it that still stays with me to this day that I really enjoy. So I, I chose more things that were um, that I hadn't really listened to over the past few years that I'm like that that I considered really important to me. But, you know, just at that, I just have not you know, listen to again, uh, and for some of these for, for very good reason. So, um, <laughs> as we'll find out, but w- w- what about you? Yeah. So I really wasn't sure. I was hoping to figure out a specific kind of set of parameters or something that would kind of be like, aha, this is the way I'm going to do it because I could have picked any number of awful deathcore, metalcore, <laughs> post-hardcore albums. And I just, I felt like like that would have been genuine like what I listened to in high school but I felt like it would have, would have been kind of boring because it just it would have all been like yep don't like this anymore yep this sucks you know what I mean like it just it wouldn't have been yeah. much dialogue so I remembered that I think it was either very very early freshman year college or between high school and college somewhere in that frame I actually compiled a top 50 favorite albums and a lot of it actually is stood up, so I won't read all of them, obviously. Wait, but... Was this one of the ones that, that we put on? Because um, I, I remember when we tried to start that blog like years and years and yes. years ago? I, I think um, it might have been different. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Like your top 10, like I remember, I think uh, Dance Gavin Dance was on there, Stick to Your Guns. Yes. Um, maybe an Acacia Strain album. Yes. All, yeah. all, all names. So. Some of those names we may or may not hear in a little bit. Um, yeah. But. My t- my top four was actually pretty solid. So because this was a weird, I think this was with Topsters. So they their specific collage format. You did a top four and oh, then like right. a, a top 
let me count like 16 seconds yeah it, it was it was like top or top what, it was four, like top 10 then deep cuts and like yeah this one was top, top four and then second tier classics and then other favorites yeah and other favorites was a, bit, a big bin but it's my top four i picked was miles davis kind of blue again this is in 2012 uh black flag my war joy division unknown pleasures and minor threat um first two seven inches uh not not, not complete discography uh i think it might have been i think it doesn't really matter that that, that might have been because this they had a drag and drop feature so that might have just have been you know been what was available like you just typed in something and then the a bunch of different cover options would um stick up but other picks i had were actually pretty spot on you know a lot of them i wouldn't necessarily pick now but i definitely still enjoy and have listened to and still own or what have you um but from this the reason I, i chose this list is i felt that this was at a like the first moment where I was like, okay, I I have good taste, like I am <laughs> smart, and and so I picked from this a list of albums that personally now I would disagree <laughs> belong on this list, uh, or I just haven't listened to it for a while. Like some of them, I definitely would not put on my list at all. Others, I kind of get why I put it on, and I think there's really only. A couple. Actually, I don't know if I have a huge problem with any of these. I think the six that I picked out, I understand why I like them at the time, and and I have varying degrees of 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 appeal. They have various degrees of appeal to me now. And the first one I want to start with is actually you mentioned them, uh, the Acacia Stream, Wormwood. Um, yeah, I still think this is their best album. Um, great, great album cover. I love that album. Yes, cover. and they definitely were very super especially continent the album that came before i've listened to it since extraordinarily formulaic like this one i felt like they opened up a little bit and they always i thought i thought they were unfair maybe not unfairly but inaccurately labeled the deathcore band because they don't really have any death metal out elements at all i think they, they really are <laughs> could just... you say that about most deathcore bands now though? but no but at least they try like you know at least they like have some you could at least say okay this is what they're trying to do death metal wise or like they pull from deathcore but the Keisha strain they really tried to do a mashuga meets hapery kind of thing okay like that's yeah. really oh. what they tried to do and i feel like with this one they had the best um they they pulled that off the best it had the best amount of variety it, they had some great breakdowns some great songwriting uh, i really enjoyed listening to this it was fun so, so we're counting yeah we're, we're counting this as one of your one of your six albums yeah so this is one. Yeah, yeah, okay. it, it, it was um it was you know, like the breakdowns are solid what it was solid you know yeah like it, it, you know, yeah. the breakdowns are still fun um you know definitely with these kind of albums, and there are a few somewhat related albums uh, on this list, I think really only one more, but by the end, all those breakdowns get really old. Like, I used to be able to listen to it all the way through, but now, just because I've talked about it before, it, it there's just not, it's not this, it's not the way that songs, I don't want to say should be, should develop and, you know, kind of rise and fall, but it's just, it's all excess. Like, it's all breaking down. Like, it's not, yeah. it's... It, it it's it, it, it's almost like having like uh like a steak but it's all fat yeah exactly like like you know or like, or like you 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 go to salt your steak and then like the whole fucking jar like spills out on it and you're like yeah oh, okay. <laughs> I um, actually I, the, 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 I like that analogy yeah. a little more <laughs> um but it was still it's still really fun um like god there are so many I remember there were so many breakdowns in this that I, I blasted at my dad's jeep. Um, <laughs> terminated. Terminated has such a great 
uh, breakdown and I remember that song they released a, a demo version that got me wicked hype before the album came there's some pretty good guest features on this like Jamie Jasta from Hatebreed is on this uh, I think Bruce LePage is his name from uh, 100 Demons which is a hardcore band that is pretty big in the scene I'm not that familiar with but he does a great job on a song called oh, what's it called so I'm gonna look it up real quick. I have most of them memorized yeah. my name. Ram- I, Ramirez is an amazing, like, you know, fast. It, What's up? Well, w- w- which which one is um the one with that 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 lyric is it? Hail Mary, the Virgin Whore. <laughs> oh, that's um that's Ramirez. Okay, yeah, that, okay. That's a really that's just like a that, that's one of their few tracks that's really like actually fast. Like it actually it, it gets it it's it picks up from just like the double kick drums and, and whatever. The Hills Have Eyes is a great track. Jonestown is awesome. It's a very simple riff, but it's really well written. Unfortunately, I don't know... I don't know when this clicked for me, but Vincent Bennett, the lead singer, uses virtually the same vocal delivery. Like the same... I can't imitate it, but he's like... Like yeah. it's the same, like the, sort of like the, the, the same cadence. It, it, it's, that's exactly. Yeah. He uses almost the exact same cadence, not just on every song, on like every single line. Like he delivers almost every single line the exact same way. And I don't know how I didn't notice it back in the day, but it was super distracting. And I think that's one of the things that made this album drag so much as I listen to it now, because it literally just felt like after a while the same ideas were being kind of slightly modified and it just really but you, you know what it was for what it is it's really fun yeah um i thought it was cool it was nice to revisit it because i, I this was such a, a highlight of mine back in 2010 and, and i've said before oh, yeah. that the kind of all the you know quote-unquote core genres like metalcore deathcore whatever uh, 2010 was the year like it was the year where like all my favorite like Whitechapel. I Declare War, The Acacia Strain. Um, I think there were a few others I'm forgetting. But like, Oceano. Uh, I think they might have dropped an album in 2010. But a bunch of a bunch of bands I followed released new albums that year. That like, Oh, Carnifex? I think, the, yeah, I think Hell Chose Me came out that year. And that, that was one yeah. of my favorite uh, Deathcore albums. Probably my favorite Deathcore album of all time. Because it's, it's the best, I think, balance between um, the two. Well, that's not true. I would say I would pick a despised Icon album over them. But I feel like they're yeah. a different wave of deathcore. But um, anyway, yeah, kind of glad I revisited this occasion straight album. But definitely, yeah, the, uh, I I have two things to say. Uh, first off, uh, I actually have a deathcore album in my picks. Oh, nice. Uh, funnily enough, uh, even though I was not a deathcore fan, uh, but two, I that album cover for Wormwood still sticks with me. Like when I think of deathcore, I think of that album cover. It's a really like they, yeah. which is interesting because. Their previous one was okay, but a little goofy. And then before that, yeah. they had very boring, like yeah, very boring yeah. Uh, album covers. And for whatever reason, with that one, and then that, that yeah. began a trend of having great album covers. So you know. Oh yeah, but I will also say that the album cover makes no sense. It's just it really like, doesn't. oh hey, let, let, like let, let, let's put a crow over a, a pair of teeth. Like, uh, but but it, but it's like dentures. Like it's yeah. like, like what, what does this have to do with wormwood? <laughs> Hey, hey, Acacia Strain? Acacia Strain? What, what does this have to do with Wormwood? <laughs> I feel like this is very common in that scene, but also especially true for these guys, is that it was what's what sounded cool was always like kind of the most important element of 
Yeah. Like, you know, death death is the only mortal. Like I still don't even really know what that means. And that that was their follow up album. That mean that I I I mean that 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 literally doesn't make any sense. I know. Like death is the only mortal. Exactly. It's just I, I'm tr- like and it, they even failed at like trying to pick something that that sounds cool. So <laughs> it's it, it's like um what was what was the last Slayer? I'm uh, re- repentless or repentless, which is it's just like not a word. But not a word <laughs> is now motherfucker. Free of repent. Um, but yeah, so don't don't want to share these guys too much because it was a fun trip down memory lane. But it, it oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely became obvious why I don't really listen to them anymore. Um, yeah. Next is a, a band OCD I bought recently and you were there and it made the list i'm talking about and i was i felt kind of despised bad. icon no it felt mm-hmm. i felt bad because i recently ripped this band a new one we had a uh, a column for every blog where we talked about oh for, oh okay formative bands that we fall out of yes. favor with and this is afi december underground yeah um this is the only album i would consider i still enjoy from their discography the rest is really soured with me and in listening to it again it kind of everything i liked about it has taken a slight half step down and i think it's because i've listened to their influences a lot more and they basically what they do and this was never a surprise but it's it's become more clear now they take their influences the cure um joy division um probably like talk talk yeah yeah christian mistress like name all like the kind of goth rock post-punky those kind of bands and they just they run it through like a alt-rock punk lens so Mm. they like they want to do all those all the things that these bands do but they kind of can't shake their punk roots and and they also wanted to probably make something a bit more um accessible i'm guessing it's always hard to tell if bands have that in mind but it just it feels like this one they just were going towards a more accessible direction is is miss murder on yes miss murder and okay. love like winter are still certified bangers fantastic songs super super fun i, I literally only know miss murder because of guitar hero yes and i was i love it because i knew the song before i remember i woke up and it was uh i think vh1 or fuse tv it was it was a, a station that still played a lot of music videos and I, there's an extended cut, um, including the intro to this album, Prelude Twelve Twenty One, and they make the video with that that intro, and then it goes into Miss Murder, and it's really, really, it's a really, really cool music video, really, really cool. Um, I, I I just remember that this was years and years ago when we I think we were both we could have both been in high school actually that you, you slept over one night and I woke up and you were downstairs watching tv but you're watching some of the music videos that were going on and it was like this mia music video where she's like riding a car that's like you know like half off the ground oh that <laughs> like, must have been uh i don't think it was paper planes uh, but i don't i don't know any other mia songs, so I, I yeah i know guess. me either but um, i i just i just i just remember coming down and be like scott what you doing buddy like, like just <laughs> just hanging out yeah just hanging out <laughs> you know it's like six in the morning but like you know Oh, yeah, the, music that, vids. that is that is my typical wake up time um, yeah but beyond I feel like other than those two songs and there are a few other songs that I uh, uh, like like kill caustic is is a, a pretty aggressive uh, track from this this album that I have always liked uh, like I said miss murder love like winter are still the two highlights miss murder being a little bit more you know punchy and love like winter being a little bit more saccharine yeah um, 
Kissing Control was um, was pretty good. Great, great name. I know the the Killing Lights is is kind of their more post punky track. Um, endlessly, she said, like all, all these tracks, you know, look filling up the track list. I could probably sing along to them, and I think when I was listening to it again for the first time, I was able to sing along uh, pretty well, you know, given how long it's been. But overall, yeah, it, it's hard to um, it's hard to find. A, a way to put it other than it just my enjoyment of it is taking a half step down for almost every track like ne- mm-hmm. knowing where they got their influences from and, and seeing just how much more obvious that is because I've listened to those bands it just it was a little disappointing um, but still fun again really fun to to check them out um, it's sort of interesting their whole trajectory as a band just starting off as like this like balls to the wall punk band and then being like you know, making Miss Murder. I mean, like, not to say that that's a bad song. It's just that it's, like, not what you'd expect from the same people who did, I think, what was it, Hallow's Eve? Um, what, 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 was that the EP that they did? Yes, they've done yeah. uh, more... Actually, at this point, I wonder if it's an even split of, like, the albums that are, like, pure punk rock and then the albums that have kind of gone more in a... Melodic hardcore, goth rock, post punk, all, all 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 Hallows. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, and that's they had a cover of uh, Misfits Halloween on that. Yeah, um, but you could tell they they loved like that kind of horror punk. The uh, can you can you blame them? The Misfits are like so great. Yeah, so. but like I, I I think that's a good way to put it is that they they kind of liked the theatrical side of the Misfits, especially once you get into the later years, like the Michael Graves years. Um, but they you were punks at heart, and, and frankly, uh, I think part of it might have been... I mean, their first few albums are so fucking simple, it's not even funny. I feel like part of it was just, like, this is what we can play now. Like, this is... Well, the, uh, the, Misfits or, or AFI? AFI. Like, I feel like, oh, you know, okay. th- th- this is... Like, this is these are the songs we can play, like, technically. Um, and so let's just go for it maybe they had to grow into their sound both from like a songwriting and just a technical perspective i'm not sure but it definitely if their career is marked by them getting progressively more maybe not experimental but progressively more adventurous with their songwriting whereas Mm. like their first album is literally just there's no they don't even have like that one longer song towards the end or whatever like their first few albums are literally just like one minute punk song one minute you know skate punks like it's just all very simple so it is totally crazy to see how they came all the way like if you played their first album and, and December Underground back to back unrecognizable uh, <laughs> it's not even close uh, speaking of punk this okay. is this is another band who I have not listened to the, I honestly have no idea when I listened to them last it's been years upon years but they were a constant member of my rotation and this is easily their most celebrated album and it is Enema of the State by Blink-182. Oh, and man. good God if this album wasn't loads and loads of fun. Also, <laughs> loads and loads of immature... It's immaturity. I was going to say immature angst. Uh, you, you, like you couldn't tell from the album cover yes. or the album title. It, it is just, like... It's so, it's so clear that they wrote this at an age where, like, swearing and farts and, and boobs were, like... The funniest like the pinnacle of humor um and i mean I, t- to be fair they still are okay <laughs> but there was some i guess i haven't listened to adam's song super in depth for quite a while 
And that is a genuinely, like, emotional, just sad song. It, it's, you know, a bit, a, written from the perspective of someone who is, you know, con- you know suicidal, depressed. Uh, really, I mean, some of the lyrics are a little melodramatic, you know, not to sound too um, dismissive, but I guess, I guess now it doesn't hit me in the same way because I've that's just not the way. Like, I feel like other bands have expressed those kind of feelings in a more... Um, kind of an artsier way this kind of feels like a teen lashing out which obviously at the time that's kind of what they were trying to capture um mm. but definitely super super fun I, I mean there are so many 90s classics on this it's not even all funny. the I mean, all, small all the things. small things what's my age again uh the opener dumpweed is kind of a deeper cut that i love aliens exist <laughs> dumpweed dumpweed is the is the, is the, the the lead single um jesus christ <laughs> i mean don't leave me aliens exist is super fun also it became the the career path for uh tom DeLonge, yes which is, is kind of an interesting little precursor there going go, going away <laughs> foreshadowing right going away to college is really fun but then of course you have songs like dysentery gary which i mean they that's kind of all you need to know the party song <laughs> is super immature um also as i was listening to it i was like is this really what life high school life was like in california back in the day because good god like the, the, the party he's describing i'm like i never maybe i just was lame and wasn't a, well no i know i was lame and wasn't invited to any yeah. parties in high school but um it, 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 me too to, yeah. to be fair but but yeah listening to this again super fun but by the end i was like okay i, I got my food like to keep with our our food analogy this is like just eating spoonful after spoonful of m&ms and then by the end of the album, you realize that someone mixed M and M's with Skittles, but you've been too oh. too hopped up on, on sugar to to care. Because yeah, it's just no, no thanks. Like I I feel like Newfound Glory did a better job of this style back in the day. Like they just their lyrics were better, their music was a little bit more developed, they had a little bit more variety. Um, but I just I wasn't as big in, big I wasn't as big into them and over the years I've kind of switched to preferring Newfound Glory over Blink One Eighty Two because Blink One Eighty Two was much more they were the definition of like direct pop punk. Um, oh yeah, and, I mean, and like, their influence on pop punk yeah. is so obvious. It's not even funny. Um, yeah. You know, they're kind of the you know both them and Newfound Glory essentially co-wrote the blueprint for how pop punk evolved from you know the Descendants, Propagandi, those kind of bands. Um, I'm just looking at a list of Blink-182 songs, and there are some really stupid names. No, it, it was it's super, um, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> fuck a dog. <laughs> yeah, I want to fuck a dog in the ass. That's a great one. Um, that, that's that's really that's really nice. Um, Probably a good thing to say on here, so we can we can get it sampled. Yeah, of, I know. Of you yeah, saying I, that, I, I can't yeah. wait to hear that on my, you know. Yeah, I, I'm just I, I'm trying to remember that there's this really popular one that was like um, something about the morgue, um, the unsuspecting victim of darkness in the valley. Oh, I miss you. Yeah. Oh, okay. I miss you. I, I, I miss you. That's on their. Uh, I don't think it's self. I think it's technically untitled. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's untitled. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that was. Uh, that was their last album before they eventually came back with a very mixed reception. They came out with an album called Neighborhoods, which was kind of all over the place, yeah. but fine. And then ever since they've like there's different there's a difference between being an old like an old a group of old men trying to make young music and like sounding like a group of old men because like yeah. like I feel like Weezer like I, I'm I'm not a huge Weezer fan, but they still kind of sound young. Or they they don't they don't sound that different from how they've they've always sounded more or less. Weezer is one of those bands that I've like 
I really want, like, I, I really should give a try, but I just don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I just don't like Pinkerton. Like, I, I, I think it's overrated. I think some of the songs, like, there, some people call them, like, nerdy and quirky and, like, charming. I just think it, it's just the whole thing's awkward. I, I just um, I think my name is Jonas was on Guitar Hero three yeah. and I hated that song, like hated that song. I also don't really <laughs> like a lot of the like that one and a lot of the singles. I'm not a huge fan of, but but Blink One Eighty Two, fun, super immature. Totally understand why I liked it. Totally understand why I haven't listened to it in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, next, this is another band uh, that Jimmy mentioned, Dance Gavin Dance, down, yeah. Downtown Battle Mountain Two. Uh, yes, I picked this one because like I, I still listen to Dance Gavin Dance. They're probably my my quintessential guilty pleasure band because I feel like their their lyricism and their persona and their imagery I think is really immature. I also think that they kind of are they just do everything to excess. Like think of mine, post hardcore, a little like a tiny slash of pop punk, math rock, all this stuff, and it's kind of, it's called Swancore. In, in kind of younger circles because they're the guitarist for Dance Gavin Dance Will Swan the way he plays like the kind of really fast loose um, melodic uh, like kind of noodly style has really spawned a, a mini genre oh um, for, for some reason I, I was thinking of like I was mixing up with Crabcore no Crabcore <laughs> was Attack Attack and that was purely based on yeah. like the dumb stances people did yeah exactly um, that's what I was thinking of <laughs> yeah but what's interesting about this is uh, I used to prefer the Johnny Craig albums more. Uh, he was their original vocalist who left because he was a huge dick. Uh, well, I mean, yep. he also had drug still issues. Still is. He also had drug issues, but, I mean, he also yeah. just was a, a huge dick. I mean, you, you, you can be a dick with drug issues. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is listening to this album now, I'm kind of hearing what some of my other friends like Dance Gavin Dance because after that, they recorded a couple albums with a dude named Kurt Travis, um, which I, his, his voice is... So Johnny Craig has this like big, powerful, soulful voice that's really like just really, really in your face whenever he sings. But Kurt Travis, the guy they got for their um, their two albums after Johnny Craig left, he just kind of sounded a little bit more plain. Like he was a fine vocalist, but kind of whatever. And then Johnny Craig came back for this one album, and their last four albums they have this guy named Tillian, who he's very wispy, very light sounding, very high pitched. It fits their style more, and frankly my biggest problem with this album is it felt like every song whether they tried to or not it's it felt like johnny craig they were carving out space for his vocals like it, mm. like all the music was cool but it's whenever he was singing it just felt like he was commanding the spotlight like it it really felt like they were trying to cushion his voice rather than work around it and i feel like kurt travis and tillian in the albums without johnny craig it's more of a team effort. It just, it feels more like the band's working together rather than, okay, let's, you know, let's just stand in the background while Johnny Craig does his thing. And there's some really fun songs on this. Um, like, uh, Spooks, the opening track is cool. Pounce, Bounce, um, Need Money, Elder Goose. Heat Seeking Ghost of Sex is a fun one. Uh, Blue. I'm just, I'm looking at some of the album titles yeah. for, uh, downtown battle mountain one yes the, just the backwards yeah. pumpkin song turn off the lights i'm watching yeah. back to the future and i told um, them i invented times new roman that that's that's one of their their big um their big so also lemon meringue i, I, I do love that song so. lemon meringue yeah. tie is uh is really really good um but 
the album Pounce Bounce, and this kind of encapsulates what my issue with, because it's kind of hard to take them seriously. Their lyrics are just so dumb. Like, here's the opening, uh, opening lines. What's it like to be a marble? Did I get something in your eye? She's a referee, and I'm lethally overdosed on pumpkin pie. Yes, the future is Mount Delicious, son, but the leaf changes forms continuum. My destiny is calling me. It says, John Mess, you should own a gun. What? You know what? It kind of reminds me of um, Fallout Boy, in a way. Because, like, they also have, like, sometimes unintelligible lyrics and, like, weird song titles. Like, you know, taking over the breaks over or whatever. Yeah. Which, actually, uh, uh, Infinity on High was was a huge album for me, uh, which I didn't include in this one because of uh, just, you know, I, I actually still love that album a lot. Yeah, so. that's totally fair. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my, my biggest takeaway is that I, rem- I, I feel like since their lyrics have just become more just like sex crazed and lovey-dovey which like whatever you know that, that that's just that's so typical of the scene that it's kind of what like I, I just i don't i feel like it's too it's too random to be funny like those kind of lyrics and th- that's just one example i just feel like historically they are very just nonsensical not not like you know goofy but just like okay this doesn't make any fucking sense the lol random but it was still fun there's some they kind of tweak with some genre like there's some almost funky parts some ska parts there's a few rap sections that are, are kind of fun uh but definitely i haven't listened to this album in full i usually just whenever i need some guilty pleasure music i just i have a, a playlist with all their songs and i just you know press shuffle um but yeah definitely was cool to listen to a full dance gavin dance album haven't done that in a while and this is you know not, not my favorite but it was it was cool to revisit it I feel like I chose it because this was the most recent one that came out the time I made that list. So it was probably like the newest and freshest in my, my head. But I think if I had to redo it, I would not pick this as my favorite of their albums. Mm. Um, next, this is the other breakdowny album uh, I mentioned. For the Fallen Dreams, Relentless. I actually, uh, I, yeah. I actually picked their first album, Changes, instead for my list. But I, I picked Relentless because even in hindsight, I think I listen to Relentless more. Like, I'm not really sure why I picked Changes of it, because I just think, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, Relentless was just the album I, I had played all the time. There are more sing-songy choruses, more... Uh, this is, like, mel- the melodic metalcore movement. So, like, a lot of breakdowns, a lot of the shimmery, pretty guitar parts. Um, yeah. A lot of, like, in-flames worship. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And this was... Um... <laughs> I don't know because I feel like there's a lot of good here, but not that kind of manifests in a an actual like good. No, some of the songs here were fun. I feel like my big issues with it are so structural. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Is like all the problems with this album are so like fundamental to how the album like works. Namely, the production on this is extraordinarily. It's like sterile and overproduced like the drums are you know we've talked before how like drum triggering doesn't really like i've kind of softened on whether or not it bothers me but on this album in particular it literally sounds so fake it's not even funny mm-hmm. like you, you you could still tell he's drumming and he's capable of doing it but just the sound itself is it, it just it, it's so processed it sounds so computerized it, it there's no 
Um, and especially because, you know, th there's so many breakdowns on this that there's so many, like, just double kick pedal, snare, you know, cymbal patterns that it's it's kind of, it just falls way flat a lot of the time. It just feels very, like, it's just chugging, you know, we're just chugging along, chugging along. And I remembered as I was listening to this that they got a new vocalist on this album that they had to process his vocals a lot because he actually wasn't great at screaming, which I find odd that they would ask him to join their band. But whatever. Uh, How do you... So what do you mean processes vocals for screaming? They, uh, if I remember correctly, they dubbed, like, they dubbed his vocals a lot. Like they... Um, I think there's, uh, there's uh, some other studio stuff that I'm remembering they were able to do. They were able to like clean up his vocals, maybe not auto-tune. Um, they also, I remember he, they had him... They just had to do a ton of takes and they ended up just like splicing stuff together. So, like, a lot of his takes, he would just, like, scream very short segments of songs and then, like, clip it together. Um, huh. So, I'm, I'm kind of just remembering, I'm trying to pull memories out, but I remember, but, like, clearly, listening to this album, his vocals are very, like, robotic as well. Um, and even the melodic parts on this, again, it just kind of feels like, okay, we're doing a breakdown, now we're doing some melodic guitar work, now we're doing this and that. But there were still some fun parts, like, Smoke Signals has a really, really... Uh, great outro with some good guitar work um and there's some nice guitar souls here and there but definitely this is i think it encapsulates how formulaic the genre was how every song mm. kind of was was crafted in a similar way and um while that was cool at the time you know i kind of like it just was a lot of the same thing i liked now that I'm listening to it with a different mindset, listening to, to, to albums that actually focus on the whole album and development and whatever, just having the same thing dumped on you over and over again gets really old, especially when each song kind of uses the same exact elements kind of tweaked in a different way. Um, but again, I, I get why I like it. I, I totally get, like the 808 bass drops whenever they had a big breakdown, I, I know I blasted those all the time in the summer <laughs> in my car, so cool. Uh -huh. um, and finally, this is probably my most positive um, kind of takeaway uh, Touche Amore Parting the Sea Between Brightness and Me oh yeah I have not listened to this album in a while uh, man this was great I forgot how much I love this so much emotion so raw they actually I know that they recorded this live uh, when they recorded it and just so much energy so much passion uh, this is kind of that um, new strain of post-hardcore you know the lead singer almost is doing like a yelling spoken word kind of delivery. Uh, I think it's yeah, like, like a like a law dispute. Yeah, exactly. But I think he he doesn't he isn't as spoken wordy as law dispute. But he definitely is on the the same the same spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, and this has so many great you know the title track is awesome. And then uh, I'm trying to remember. There's this one song that's absolutely amazing that I love. It's at the end of the album. I remember he was, uh, there was an interview with Jeremy. Uh, oh, home away from here. And he, the lead singer was doing an interview where we talked about how the producer said, "You may not, you may not know this, or this may not have been your intention, but you wrote a pop song." And when you listen to it, it really does like the way it's structured. Just everything is so, um, it just feels massive. It's one of those songs you listen to and you're like, "Boom!" Like this is the hit. Like if you just listen the whole album through and you were to pick which song was the lead single, you would totally pick this one. It just the way they wrote it was fantastic and just anthemic but also you know deliver you know straight 
or um, immediate rather, and I, f I feel like all of these songs uh, are just very emotive without being too saccharine or too corny. It just feels genuine and energetic, and I, I really I want to listen to this more because I just forgot how much I love this album, and I want to listen to the band more because I used to like these guys a lot. I owned this uh, to the beat of a dead horse, and then one of their more recent ones, Stage Four. Um, not that one. It was Blue, and I am trying to find what it was called. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, um, I just I remember you really liking that, and it, I mean, isn't that album like only like twenty minutes long or something? Yes, and that it's actually like stupid short. Oh. It, is survived by and uh, I don't oh. remember liking that one as much because I think they got a little bit more am ambitious like the songs were a little bit longer and I think it, it that's kind of what I struggle with with this album is I feel like the short because most of these songs I think the longest song is like 2 minutes 20 seconds most of them are around the minute mark and I think my problem is I'm so used to listening to music that's so much longer but by the same token um, I feel like this the album wouldn't work if these songs were longer so I don't know like I, I wasn't sure how to feel because a lot of songs I felt like I wanted more but at the same time I wonder if they would lose their impact over time if they were longer um, so I think it was just a, a function of how I listen to music now where I'm so used to listening to long albums longer songs I mean this is at a time where I was getting over like I thought four four minutes was long for a song like any song that was four or five minutes or longer, I was like, oh, this is too long. And like that's almost exclusively what I listen to now is songs that are like around the three, four, five plus minute mark. So, <laughs> yeah. But it was really cool. And I'm glad that I had one album that I genuinely was like, I love, I still love this. I, I remember why I love it. The rest of the albums I kind of had hit or miss with. But overall, this was really fun. You know, it was fun to listen back. It was fun to listen to songs and albums that I haven't listened to in forever. So this was, uh, was really cool nice man yeah no the, the, those are some interesting listens I, you know i i don't think i've now that i think about it i don't know if i listened to any of them in full before but i remember like i i'm pretty sure i borrowed every single one of those from you actually probably yeah. except except for enema of the state so yeah that, that one I, I feel like everyone's kind of kind of knows what blink 22 has to offer well i i just like like i just I never liked pop punk yeah. in my teens. Like, I mean, with good reason, because, you know, we had, like, you know, people doing horrible things with it. Like, um, Skylet Drive, I think, is oh, yeah. one that I think of a whole lot. But, like, there was just, like, this this shitty wave of, po of, of like, pop punk that I just could not stand. Uh, and, like, everybody was into it in high school. <laughs> so, you know, it just fueled my fire even more. There you go. Um so, like I said before, mine are uh, chronological order, and we're gonna try to see where everything went wrong. So no, <laughs> uh, so basically, like, you know, freshman year of high school, I was obsessed with one band, and it was Metallica. Uh, I loved Metallica. I pretty much worshipped Metallica for my entire high school career. Um, I was just absolutely obsessed with them. But um, there were a couple other albums that uh, a friend of mine let me borrow that I think I probably listened to more than Metallica because it, just in terms of like full album plays um, or you know I, I think at the time it was more like a lot of like 
single tracks because I think I would like play these on like shuffle. Mm-hmm. But uh, first one is uh, Disclaimer 2 by uh, the band Seether. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. I know. It's seriously like, and I remember this thing because the, uh, the, he, when he gave it to me, it was just the CD. Uh, so, you know, but, but it has a picture of the album cover on it, which I thought was like, it's such a cool album cover in my opinion. Mm. Uh, it's just really beautiful. But I remember just like the, the, the opening track for that gasoline is just like, oh my God, it's so angsty and just so like totally up my alley for that time, you know? Uh, just all about like, you know, man, like you're so lost and deranged that you think that this is your standard of beauty, man. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> but, but then like, uh, well, I forgot his name, Sean Morgan. I think he just like some of the lyrics he pulls out on this fucking album are just like, or like just even the song titles, like the, the, the second track off of this album is called 69 T and yeah, I oh my god, I'm gonna have to look up the lyrics for this now because like I still don't understand some of uh, like <laughs> some of what he's trying to say in this. Like I I just do not like me no understand though, <laughs> uh, because like like I said, so gasoline. Uh, there's yeah the the precourse of this thing is I I want to waste her monthly blood. I want to get some on my love. I want to get some gasoline and burn the house down. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Which. Which I'm like, I, I, I don't really know what I mean, what, what he means by waste or monthly blood, but I, all right, it, I, I guess it sounds cool. And I mean, if you're, you know, like a, you know, very emotional teenager, um, like I was, I was like, yeah, so dark, so cool. <laughs> but, um, oh yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, so 69T, it's, uh, Lonely in this white room, there are pads everywhere. Chafing straight jacket, I won't die in there. Which I'm, I'm like, so what? What does this have to do with T or sixty nine? Like, <laughs> I, like, I, I don't, I don't know, man. It, yeah. but the, the, that was pretty much this entire album. The, the, that being said, I actually really enjoyed listening to this thing. Uh, just if, if only for nostalgia's sake, uh, it, because it was just like you know. It, it was hard rock that sort of hit me in like a good like like it was just like it was really just like meaty chunky hard rock mm-hmm. uh but but then there were some really awesome slower tracks that really got me into like because like I, I, you know throughout high school i really couldn't stand slow songs because they made me feel sad and i already felt sad a lot in high school so i didn't want to feel like that anymore <laughs> so but like uh broken you know the 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 breakout track of arguably the entire band's career uh with amy lee on the vocals from evanescence but we'll we'll get to evanescence later um (laughs) so but uh they i loved broken i still do uh so it it was a fun album but like man those lyrics are like super angsty and like i mean this is a reoccurring theme throughout my listens Uh it was just like like how come nobody else saw this for what it was back then you know like and it's funny because like i i remember being like a junior in high school and being like sick of three days grazes crap because like all their stuff was just like you know all about pain and like relationships and i was so tired of it but yet i still listened to fucking seether so you know um next up uh was the other album that my friend let me borrow that i just adored which was uh meteora by lincoln park 
uh, which, I mean, I love this album, and even listening to it again, I still love it. Um, Lyrics-wise, very much like Seether. <laughs> Just yeah all about like oh man i have so much pain in my heart man and i just like i don't know what to do with it and i'm just mad at people i'm mad at the world <laughs> just <laughs> so i'm gonna sing about it and then i'm gonna scream <laughs> about it and it's just like oh come on please like but like musically i love this album like i just really enjoyed like every moment of it uh just so much fun i i can i can vividly remember listening to this thing on shuffle uh, while at like my sister's basketball game, just like sitting, like, just like laying in in like one of the bleach, like in the alley in the bleachers, basically, and just listening to this thing, like as loud as I could because you know basketball is really loud uh, when you're in a big gym, big echoey gym. So this, oh god, I loved it so much. I, I like I I really I need to buy Meteora at some point. Because I, I just I I still think it's a really good album. Like Lincoln Park was like a huge band for me in high school. So um, yeah, that was actually the first album I ever um, ever bought. Ever bought? Yeah, yeah. So. Which I mean, it's a good album. Like I mean, you know, Lincoln Park has its detractors, and like they do have a good point when it comes to you know some of their stuff. Like I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Hybrid Theory, even though like I'll I'll probably end up buying it at some point. Um, but like you know, like I I don't think Lincoln Park is as bad of a band as people made them out to be, um, yeah. But then uh, so next up was uh, Lamb of God, the Sacrament. So the, the, oh, this nice. was yeah, probably you loved Lamb of God back in the day. I loved like I mean there were three bands that I was like I I mean you you know how like back in the day you would get like you you would sort of want to pick your top three. And like you'd sort of use that as like your identity. Yeah, yeah. Like the, that. That was me all the way. So like for me, it was Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, and Lamb of God, <laughs> which kind of weird picks, but uh, kind of all work together in, to make me into a very sad, angry boy. So, <laughs> uh, uh, well, n- n- not really. Like it made me less of one in a in a you know like just like in a sense of like catharsis. Um, but yes, at, like I actually still own uh, Lamb of God's. Uh, I think Ashes of the Wake and uh, Wrath, which I think Ashes of the Wake was actually one of the first CDs I ever bought. Um, if I'm right, it was like that, and I bought uh, Tools Ten Thousand Days as well <laughs> in like that same purchase. Nice. Um, but this is Sacrament. This is like considered like I mean, this is regarded as one of their best, possibly their best. I don't know if I agree, but I remember listening to this thing over and over and over again because, like, there were song titles like, you know, Black and the Curse and Sun. Uh, the whole track Redneck was, you know, uh, just like the chorus that, you know, this is a motherfucking invitation, you know, just like <laughs> s- some of the things that, that Randy Blythe would, would talk about in this thing really would get to me beating on Death's Door, um, descending, you know, like, it, it, so yeah, I, I, in, so I think part of the reason Lamb of God was, you know, has like a really important place in my heart is because they were like sort of like the first uh, band with like harsh vocals that I would listen that I'd listen to, uh, and like you know, so I, I loved I loved Randy Blythe's vocals. I still do. I, I think he's a really good vocalist. Um, like just you know, like you you know his voice when you hear it. Um, 
which you, you can't always say that about a lot of metal bands. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, with death metal bands especially, like, you know, it's it, it, it can be sometimes hard. Like, it, it's sort of, you need to sort of keep track of, like, the guitars and the production to sort of get an idea of who it is mm-hmm. sometimes. But um, not with Lamb of God. So enjoyed the fuck out of this while listening to it again. Uh, you know, I, it's it's definitely, I, I don't know why I was obsessed with this album in particular, because I, I think Ashes of the Wake is a better album, and and I think Wrath is a better album as well. But <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of fun, loved Lamb of God, still do. Uh, not as big of a fan as I used to be, though. You know, I really haven't listened to, like, the last couple albums. Just no interest, honestly. Um, so, okay, <laughs> next one. So, they, you know... So we're so we're we're about like junior year right now mm-hmm. of of me in high school. So you know I'm getting into some some stuff that um, you know was pretty dark. I think for you know compared to sort of the Christian upbringing that I had. So like you know I was reading uh, the book Johnny Got His Gun by Dalton Trumbo, which is just a fucked up book about a soldier who just gets destroyed in in a World War One battle. Uh-huh. Uh, super screwed up. It's a, you know it's the inspiration for One by Metallica. Um, so I was like into that. I was reading Fight Club for like the first time, you know, uh, all this stuff. And uh, a friend turned me on to Marilyn Manson. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. So I I remember I read his his but his like memoir like at least three times throughout high school, uh, like and so uh the album that I listened to was uh for this thing was Antichrist Superstar because uh I did not listen to. I don't think any other Marilyn Manson album until uh, Mechanical Animals when that was in college, I think. Um, but yeah, so Antichrist Superstar was like was another like sort of eye opening album because like I never heard stuff like this dark kind of. And uh, I mean, we're, we're talking su- subjectively, you know, because like for for me at the time, dark was th- this was considered dark. And I mean, there's still parts of it that are pretty fucked up. And oh, like, for sure, yeah, yeah, it, and just like. I think just the overall sound is very like very creepy. Like I'm thinking of like um like at the beginning of uh the album Irresponsible Hate Anthem, the opener, uh there are like these creepy like organ stabs that are in it that like still I'm like I, I still remember those and things like that. Like, like they're just like whoa. Like or um uh I think it was Cryptor, Cryptor Child. Uh it was like you know, had like this really weird like synth vocal passage that just freaked me out. Uh, like it, it just had a lot of these are like uh, the reflecting god. Mm-hmm. Uh, like dude, there are just so many great tracks on this thing. I I remember loving this album. I actually re- I remember buying it at a mall uh, in Massachusetts with a couple of like family friends, and I remember that they were just looking at me, being like, "What is wrong with you?" Because <laughs> the uh, the the CD album cover for it is like a picture of like. I don't, I don't even know. It's, it's like a photo of Marilyn Manson, but he has like angel wings and like you can see his dick and everything. And it's it's like a whole thing. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you're yeah. talking about. Because my, my dad yeah, yeah. had a CD too. And I, I didn't really oh, listen so to the album that much. I listened to... Um, the Beautiful People. Yeah, I used to the Beautiful People more time than I can count. And then yeah. also... Um, I think Angel with the... Angel with the scabbed Angel wings. with the... Oh, I listen to that all Do I heart the time. Face wanna powder his nose? Yeah. Yeah. I, God, I, I, like, I just listened to this thing today, so it's very fresh in my mind, yeah. but God, Angel I fucking love this album yeah. still. I, 
a lot of this is is very positive. Um, we'll, we'll get to some negative stuff soon enough, though. So, <laughs> I uh, say so Andy Crazy Superstar was awesome to listen to again. I actually don't own it anymore. I think I sold it. Um, I have Mechanical Animals, which I think is the better album. Honestly, I think Mechanical Animals is probably the best album he's ever going to put out. Uh, to be totally honest, <laughs> like I, I I think it's a great album. Like I would probably put it in like a top twenty-five. Really? Yeah, that, that, that sounds right. Maybe top 50. I don't know. It, it's, it's definitely up there. Though. I, I think it's a really solid album. Um, it's not something I want to listen to all the time, mind you, but yeah. it's still really good. Um, next up, so, you know, while I was listening to all this, you know, like I said, like there, there wasn't anything in, in particular that I was like really head on into. Um, I kind of mixed around with a bunch of different genres. But I think uh, I did have a love for thrash. Yeah. Uh, so Megadeth's Rust in Peace. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah, I know. I I know how much you love Megadeth, Scott. Um. <laughs> I just I haven't given them a, a fair shot, honestly. Um. um, I you know normally I would be like, oh, you know, it's worth revisiting. Um, I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> That's to be totally honest. Well, it's it's not that I didn't love this because like I actually really loved listening to this thing. It's just that like the like Magnet's a good band, but I think like Dave Mustaine is like he's just sort of like a mixed bag. Like it's it's either like you 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 buy into a shtick or you don't. Um, and I think given sort of the way politics have sort of begun to like infiltrate nearly every aspect of of life these days, yeah. Um, I, I, I think Megadeth's music sort of takes on a different tone mm-hmm. and probably not one that people like as much. Uh, but, I mean, this was an album that spoke to me a lot because, like, I was obsessed with, like, you know, government conspiracies and, like, well, not necessarily like that, but, like, the idea of, like, the government following you and, like, weird government experiments like uh, MKUltra and yeah. things like that. Like, like, I was, like, obsessed with that type of stuff in high school. Like, to, to the point, I can remember being so paranoid that I was being followed by the government that I would take my cell phone battery out at night. Wow. Just so, yeah, I know. Again, not <laughs> n- not exactly thinking with, with the entire brain. Um, <laughs> so, but I really like, Rust in Peace was like an awesome album. I, I loved listening to it. Listening to it now, you know, I, I still enjoy it, but it's like... Like you can tell, the musicianship is good. It's just like, but it's just like, okay, fine for me right now. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was just. I, I think part of it is like there are certain tracks in it that get stuck in my head a lot. Like okay. a lot of, I think a lot of this stuff uh, in this list today is very earwormy for me, uh, especially parts of Lamb, uh, Lamb of God Sacrament uh, and a couple other ones that we'll get to. But. Um, the uh, specifically the track uh, "Tornado of Souls" in in Megadeth's "Rust in Peace" was I always get that stuck in my head. Like <laughs> there's there's actually this memory I have of um, mowing the lawn, uh, listening to "Rust in Peace," uh, and if you remember, lawnmowers are very loud. And I did not own any good headphones that had noise canceling technology. Yeah. So I could only hear like the very very highest like treble parts of it because like you know the lumber hum would just suck everything else out yeah so like i would have this on as like loud as i could 
and just only get parts of it. <laughs> but but I would always remember Tornado of Souls. So um, next up is the one Deathcore album. Yeah, I'm. That, I can't wait to hear what this. Is. I, yeah, I don't know uh, if I Parkway guess, Drive, honestly. Deep Blue by Parkway Drive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I so Andrew Hatch's uh, brother uh, actually burned this for me. Because he, he owned it. I, I don't think he actually listened to it. I, I think he just... I don't know why he had it, to be honest. Because I think he pretty much only listened to, like, Skrillex and, like, Dubstep, I think, back and in the day. And Parkway Drive. <laughs> yeah, but, but... well So, I remember reading on... Because um, this was back when, like, iPod Touches were still around. And, like, I remember I, I had the uh, Metal Hammer app, which would, you know, pump out a lot of metal news. And... Somebody was talking about how Parkway Drive was like their favorite album of that year, um, or how Deep Blue was, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I never really got a chance to listen to it. And then I saw it in in <laughs> in Chris Hatch's computer, uh, and I was like, like, bitch, can you burn me some? <laughs> you know, um, and so I I really love I I dug this album a lot. Uh, I didn't listen to it as much as I did a lot of these other ones, but you know like. It was like a deathcore album that like I actually really fucked with. Um, like I specifically remember like like, like this um, "Homes for the Heartless." That's a great and one. And "Wreckage," both. Uh, you know, I, I remember those songs really well. Um, and you know, listen, so listening to it again, I actually really enjoyed it. Like, uh, it, granted, it's it's not like you know uh, something I would put on over and over again, but like. You know, for a deathcore record, and I was not a big deathcore fan, like, even in high school, uh, it was, like, I felt like it was a really great album, still, so. Yeah, I love uh, Sleepwalker, particularly, like, that, I love the groove on that song so much. Like, the production on it, you know, alone, is, like, really, really well done, um... You know, and just like the, the songs, like they they don't feel like they're all breakdowns. Like they, there's actually some thought being put into the songwriting. Yeah. Uh, I, I I now if I remember correctly, um, you don't like how they they've gotten for like the past few albums now. I stopped following them uh, after I think Atlas was basically Deep Blue, but like worse. <laughs> um, not like that it was bad, but just it was it was deep, like kind of a rehash that didn't really work that well. Yeah, uh, in my opinion. And then after that, they essentially went to because they're enormous in Australia. Like they sell out huge venues that the them. bands kind of in their ilk would not sell out, but just because they're so big in Australia, so they kind of went in almost an arena rock alt metal direction. Uh, I feel like they kind of, because they were so popular, they wanted to try that. And again, it's hard to know what a band's motivation is, but it just really felt like they were like, all right, well, we're big now. Let's sound big. Um, yeah. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed listening to this again. I think the album cover is really cool. Yes, uh, I as agree. well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just positive vibes. Uh, this next one, though, th- this is when we get into some salt. Um, How much salt because, do we have? Yeah, oh, I, I mean, remember that analogy of of you pouring uh, yeah. the salt on the steak? It, it's like it's like whatever's left, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, because I was really big into new metal as well. Yeah. Uh, in high school, which eventually sort of evolved into groove metal for me. Um, so, but th- this was a big one, which is uh, White Zombies, Less Exorcisto, oh. Devil's Music, oh Volume One. Oh my god. 
Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Holy shit. Yeah. I I loved like I I the first girl I ever went out with, I uh, I would listen to this in her car. <laughs> Like we would like be making out at the airport, and I would have this this album on. <laughs> it's I mean and they like, were super fun. Like Rob Zombie just makes fun music. But... Uh, so that's kind of the issue. Is like when I was listening to this, like musically, it, it was you know is 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 pretty fun to listen to. Rob Zombie though ruins everything about this music for me. <laughs> like I I don't know why. Like it's like. Like you could almost compare him to like Glenn Danzig, but like Danzig can actually sing. Yeah. Like Rob Zombie just kind of does like, like almost like a <laughs> like a like a stone drunk Eddie Vedder, but like even worse. Oh, I can see um, that's actually a pretty good analogy. Yeah. Yeah, I just like and like it just feels like like he's like all the aesthetics too. Like just talking about like you know you're either talking about horror. You're talking about fast cars, or you're talking about fucking chicks, or just some you know variant thereof. Yeah, <laughs> and it just got so old to me, and like I couldn't even understand what he was saying. Anyway, you know, except for like 1960, five, five, five. You know, <laughs> just uh, you know. But that being said, like th- th- this was a huge album for me as a teenager. Like um, the the bass riff to black sunshine was like one of the first riffs i ever learned how to play uh i still know it to this day because <laughs> it's just super easy yeah um like but god listening to this again this this was this was really tough to listen to just and it, it's really it's because of rob zombie it's not because of like all the musicians in it they're doing great like if rob zombie could just step off in a way just and just sort of for let, a second yeah like just sort of let these guys like do their thing this, it, it would actually be a really good album. Uh, like I, so this is sort of a weird comparison, uh, but I couldn't help but think of this when I was when I was walking and listening to this album. Was that uh, Rob Zombie is almost like George Lucas in a way? That like he managed to come up with like this beautiful aesthetic and this cool idea for something, but you know something happened along the way and he got so into it and like just he ended up just losing like all sense of like objectivity and common sense <laughs> and just going off like just the edge of sanity like because like god <laughs> just it, it, like, when i was listening to this i'm like i'm thinking i'm like can rob zombie do anything like like i mean like i, I don't want to shit on the guy but i'm like like how i think about it, i'm like i don't think he's ever made a good movie that people like really like um you know so he, he, and his music isn't really that good either and I'm, so I'm like, what, what exactly does he have? Like, why is why is he famous? <laughs> like, and like, I, I I don't I don't want to be that sour about him because like you know if somebody likes him like you know and I you know good for them and I'm glad that he's able to you know do what he wants to do. I I just don't get why anybody likes it. I guess <laughs> so. Um, kind of mixed reception here. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Two more albums left. Uh, I will shut up very soon. <laughs> um, no, this is so, it because, like, uh, I feel like I, I don't know if I guessed any of these in advance, but I totally, thinking back, makes perfect sense that these, oh, yeah. these are the albums you picked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, I mean, like, like uh, Devil's Music, so the, that White Zombie album, that was the first album that 
I thought of for this list, actually, because like I, I was thinking of it for some reason uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, man, I haven't listened to this album in like forever. Like I sold it like mm, probably a decade ago now. Like, yeah. Um, so next up is uh, "Fallen" by Evanescence. <laughs> nice. Yeah, which um, I've had uh, going under stuck in my head for the last two days now. Uh, because that's the way this album works for me. It's very earwormy to me um, for reasons I don't really understand. I mean, even beyond, like, you know, um, uh, you know, Wake Me Up, you know, uh, Bring Me to Life, that's the song. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. That that, that is one of the the quintessential meme songs nowadays. Oh, God, it really is. But, you know, listening to this again, like, you know, again, we're, we're, we're talking about, like, angsty lyrics to oblivion you know like I-, I wanted to go through this thing yesterday on genius and just see how many times the word pain show- showed up <laughs> or like sadness or like darkness you know or being lost or you know like the, the, there's like just the like the recurring themes oh my gosh and it, it, you, what I find even more amazing is that Evanescence is still like in a way kind of relevant for a rock band like 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 they'll actually make headlines if they talk yeah. about a new album coming out which i'm like musically i couldn't think of a more irrelevant band <laughs> but <laughs> and also that like they've been around for like almost 20 years now they've only released three albums really which is just yeah so well technically they have a fourth but it's really just a bunch of reworkings of old songs and then like one new song at the end which is like why even call that an album you know like, what good for them I yeah i know it's I mean... it's it, it, it's it's really impressive in a way um how they've just managed they have, to do this yeah that much success with so little output yeah well i mean just fallen was like that big of an album yeah and i mean listening to this thing i can totally see why i mean i i loved listening to this thing back in the day uh because i mean uh, you know amy lee has just a beautiful voice and uh-huh. just you know great pianist and just things like that um listen to it again it was it was it was still a lot of fun um the lyrics really got to me a lot because i just got i was like so sick of hearing about darkness and pain <laughs> at this point <laughs> no like, i feel that yeah it was it was like okay enough and then um there is one track and i'm trying to remember um it, it's it's one of the ballad tracks um there's only like two of them uh in the album let's see also, the, the album cover for this always reminds us, so um, there's an anime called uh, Ergo Proxy, which I think they either, I, I think they ripped off this album cover by making their lead character look exactly like Amy Lee in this album cover, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is just weird, but um, yeah, it was My Immortal, that that was the song I was thinking of, that like, I, I never liked that song. Um and for some reason, they always included a band version of it at the end of the album. And I'm like, I, I don't want to listen to this song even twice. So, <laughs> uh, but but there was some like listening to this again, like, like you know, be, people. I, I think it's almost like a um, uh, it, like it, it's almost overstated. It's overstated so much that it's you know, it, it's almost like it doesn't have the same impact that it does. That you know, Amy Lee is a good singer. Uh-huh. Um, because like you know everybody's like oh she's such a great singer it's like she really is though like you know uh the 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 track hello is like she has 
she she really hits some highs in that that are like like kind of shiver inducing uh-huh. in a way that like kind of took me for a loop so you know it, it was interesting listen uh it's not something I, I i wouldn't even buy this album again like a, a couple of these i actually wouldn't mind buying again uh-huh. but uh no i am i'm keeping far away from evanescence j- just because that's the only way i can get going under out of my head <laughs> so I, for some reason that one song always gets stuck in my head but so yeah I'm, i was all about wake me up but other than that i don't know if yeah. i was that if it was another song I liked by going under was it was the opener for this like, thing, and then after a certain yeah. point because my parent my well, I don't know if my but then my dad but my mom loved Evanescence Evanescence too so like yeah when I was starting to like come into my own all the music that I that my parents like kind of was easily thrown out and yeah I've I've since grown up because that's that's obviously was a very it was a product of my age I was like I want to but, but, but you still don't like Muse so you know okay well, let's let's move on. <laughs> I know, I know it. You're actually a secret news fan. Uh, I'm not going to entertain uh, this. T- <laughs> not tonight, uh, Jimmy. We, we actually, we really should have an episode where, like, we make you listen to. Oh Muse. dear. You know what? Fine, we'll do it at some point. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you, but I, I think, but when we're feeling very um, uh, masochistic, I guess. <laughs> yes. So, final album. Uh, Scott should probably know what this is by now, uh, because there was one band. And one musician in particular that I was very obsessed with near the end of uh, my senior year of high school, and that was uh, Sepultura and uh, Max yeah, Cavalera. I, I thought so. I thought that was going to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like Scott's been with me throughout all of this. And you see me buy like every single Soulfly album. I think. Yes. Al- almost everyone. Yes, I was there on the journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is the first Soulfly album, uh, the self-titled one. And uh, which I've totally forgot uh, that Fred Durst is is he on the track is. bleed. Oh my god, yeah. he is! I forgot. It was it was great. I loved it. Oh my god, I actually <laughs> I actually really enjoyed listening to this thing again. Like, you know, I, I'm not gonna say that like groove metal is like the end all be all of metal, uh, but goddamn, I still have like a very like I, I I have a special place for this thing. Like, I, I still love it. Like, you know. It, it's it's not something I would listen to again. Not I would just I mean back in the day I would always have some Soulfly in the car. Uh, I, I I would not do the same thing nowadays. Uh, but th- this was so much fun to listen to again and like I actually really liked Fred Durst and Bleed and like I actually I you know I actually want to try to give some old Limp Biscuit a, a shot <laughs> to be totally fair. Um, I don't know why. It's it's sort of like um, you, you ever hear of of like that uh, that psychological phenomenon that happens when you're like standing by a cliffside that there's like this urge to jump. <laughs> yeah, is so is that it, how it, you it, felt with this album? Well, no, that, that, that's how I think about like Limp Bizkit in a way. <laughs> that it's like there's like this urge to listen to them, but you know that it's just like going against all faculties, yeah. <laughs> in all senses. Oh, that's funny. Um, but I really liked listening to the Soulfly album. I think Chino Marino shows up a little bit on the track, and yeah, just I'm, Max Cavalera. Just like he, he, I, I've always loved like his voice and sort of his delivery, even though it's pretty much the same delivery every single time. You know, it's just like he's just very angry. He's just very pissed off. Like it, now that I think about it, he kind of reminds me of Kratos from uh, God of War. <laughs> 
That is a really, really amazing comparison. Well, he's just like he just sounds so pissed off yeah. all the time, and I love it. But, like, but that point you just made is why I think originality and uniqueness is more important than like being like a technically good vocalist. Not that, yeah. not to say Max Cavalera is like a, a, a good vocalist, but like I feel like it's important for you to be distinct and to kind of keep the listener engaged throughout an album, rather than like. Like if you're a really good singer, but you literally just kind of hit most of the same notes all the time, like that kind of that gets old. Yeah, see, I I've always found him more as like, uh, I mean, it, it, he's he's an interesting singer. Yeah. Not necessarily a good singer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so the, the that was the end. Soulfly was was again a lot of fun. Um, it goes on a little bit longer than I'd like to like. The, there's this whole track at the end that's just all like. I think it's like Brazilian folk music. Yeah, it's it's kind of like do you, do you remember like the final song um, at the end of Sepultura's Roots? Yes, because it's called uh, Little Little Wood Music. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was just like fifteen minutes of like Brazilian folk music. Uh, it, it was. It, it gets a little tiring after a while, um, but still, I really like listening to this, even though it's it's not something I would listen to uh, again. Uh, it just makes me think of uh, what, because they, they, their next one was primitive and just back to the primitive, the uh, with Corey Taylor. Yes. Which, speaking of, I'm surprised there was no Slipknot on uh, on your list. I, I was I was kind of hoping. Yeah, but. I was kind of surprised they didn't make it on because uh, I I just once I latched onto that idea of using that. Um, I think they didn't make the cut of like serious uh, albums that I liked at that time for whatever reason like they I, I kind of view them as a figment of my past uh, yeah which is why I thought it was so funny that the albums that did make it I think slip they had a well I would say it slipped on probably of the bands that I listened to back in the day was one of the most if not the most important for my development uh, of being a metalhead because they were yeah. they were they were like my own thing like they were they were my metal band like there were metal yeah. bands I listened to from my parents and, and my friends and whatnot, but like this was a, the, the, the like the band that I actually turned my friends on the Slipknot. <laughs> this is my rifle. There are many others like it, but this one's mine. <laughs> I mean, like it kind of is a variation of that in a way. Like it just uh, like it was such a it was such an important um, band for me. But they didn't make this list, and those are the parameters I set. So I I actually I don't think I've ever listened to a full Slipknot album. So that might be worth listening to at some point. Doing an episode about that. I would love to hear because I, I think they I think they are good songwriters. I think they get they've written some genuinely good songs that are not just like the angsty new metal stuff. Like they they yeah they were one of the more experimental new metal bands, especially songs like Scissors and Tattered and Torn. And uh, I just I just couldn't stand Clown though. I I, I just like oh the fact they yeah they have members who literally just bang like oil well, drums so he doesn't do anything yeah they, they <laughs> like, literally just like live they, they just stand in front of like big yeah you know, marching it, drum it, drums and hit hit trash cans and stuff which yeah like, and and then the, like the whole like mask thing i always felt like was really overdone they they have uh, i forget what their ex they have some explanation for why they did it that i think is kind of lame. see they, the explanation just made me hate it even more because yeah. i remember reading about it back in the day how they would like change masks with like every new album oh cycle. they do they still just do yeah like, which is, I'm just like oh come on dude like like yeah. why, why, why can't you guys just make music like <laughs> i think ironically they said they want they wanted to wear masks so that it was all about the music and it wasn't about like them as people <laughs> which like that's bad if that's your if that was the, okay. their genuine reasoning bad idea 
if you're gonna do that, then do what the locusts do and just dress up in the same costumes. Yeah, exactly. Every single time. No, like they like it was somewhat of a fair idea, but terrible execution. Yeah. So basically, or or great execution, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, that's true. Because um, obviously, but, I think their music. I think their music would have caught on regardless, but definitely the mask and jumpsuit thing was oh, a yeah. huge reason they became successful. Because that yeah. that just naturally made them stand out. Definitely, um, definitely. Um, you know, there was some I didn't include. Like, I mean, corn could have been in there. I, yeah. I did love me some corn back in the day. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about albums of the week. Uh, Scoots, what you got for an album of the week? Yeah, so uh, it, it takes a few days, weeks, I think. I don't really know how uh, how long or when it officially turns over. But rate your music. Um, oh, they, right. They they don't like start kind of tracking the new year until the new year. Um, yeah. So I checked it for the first time last week. Did Did you notice how um the new Grimes album, which hasn't even been released yet, is is number one? Yeah, that's that always <laughs> happens. People just I I think that is just the dumbest thing. Like, like, why would you even let people vote on an album that hasn't come out yet? Yeah, that's one of the biggest flaws. Is that I think that that's kind of the best system we have to get like a you know, uh, cons- you know, general consensus on an album. But yeah, you exactly. Can't, you can't police when people vote, how they vote. How often they actually listen to the album? So, um, but in that in that thing, I uh, you know, in that list I saw because I was just collecting albums like you know things I might want to listen to down the line. I wasn't sure if this had been released yet or like it hadn't been announced or whatever. I saw a release by a band and I was like, "Fuck!" I didn't know they had a new album, and I think this is their best album yet. It is uh, "Life on Other Planets" by Moon Hooch. Uh, they, oh, okay. I had no idea they were coming out with a new album. This just dropped out of nowhere. Uh, they've released some of my favorite weird jazz albums of the last several years. Uh, the last album I remember listening to them, it looks like they've released a, a few EPs, and I don't think they've released an album before. You have you have a few EPs and singles, but um, 2013-2016 they released two excellent uh, saxophone-driven albums. Basically, it's just like groovy, dancey music but made with two saxophonists and a drummer and this album they explored a lot of new territory they added a lot of synths uh it kind of is like jazz funk merged with like a little bit of dubstep and and just (laughs) general like spacey electronics super weird and i think that they have fully embraced because their first album was good but it literally was kind of just saxophones and drums so by the end it got a little old but this album they've found a way to keep that groove and the danciness that they that has made them so great um while also adding some variety adding some intrigue to the mix so super super glad that i I happened to check and uh see that you know what's become one of my favorite albums of the year so far you know it's still young but i could totally see this keeping in for the long haul that's nice i I remember you talking about these guys like years ago super fun Um, band really long. yeah so it's funny you mentioned that because i actually have uh my, my album of the week is a i mean i guess it's a collection but i'll get into that in a sec but it's also very weird funny jazz so um this is a collection so this is technically the complete recordings of this band uh they were re- released on i think knitting records back in the day um or knitting factory uh, Knitting Factory's record record label, um, and Knitting Factory shut down. Um, 
a while ago. And so they came out. So John Zorn actually re-released their entire discography uh-huh. on Zadik as part of their um, new Radical Jewish Culture series. So the band's called uh, Hasidic New Wave, uh-huh. which is just great, great name for a band. The, what really stu- what really struck me though was the album cover, which is like this like I don't know like, like psychedelic rabbi is basically the best way I can describe this thing. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah, so I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, I thought I was I thought it was going to be like klezmer influenced jazz, and you know it was, but they would do some really like you know each album explored like sort of different territory. Like their first one, which is I, they're all beautifully tiled. So their their debuts. Um, Jews and the Abstract Truth. <laughs> so, uh, yep. There's That's that. Really fun. That's yeah. It, fun. So, yeah. It, but it was more of like a standard, like klezmer jazz type of fair. But then, as their second album, which was Psychosemitic, <laughs> again, like just why? Um, what was went really far into like you know very avant-garde free like free jazz leanings yeah but all with like this really cool klezmer edge to it and it just kept going from there it, it was really cool like they I, I was just gonna talk about jews and the abstract truth but uh the entire recording thing it's like five cds it's really good it was all super good and then uh there's one that at the end they do a cover of um california uber alice Oh, nice. <laughs> Dead Kennedy song, but it's but it they they changed the lyrics so it's all about Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yep, this, this is definitely what a band called Hasidic New Wave would do. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah, it was a fucking great listen. I highly recommend it to anybody who likes Masada because, like, it, it, it you know it, it has that klezmer you know weeping ness to it. But it, uh, you know, you can you can hear that there's sort of like a little more going on as opposed to you know Zorn's compositions. So, um, yeah, super good. And uh, I guess that's it for today. So that's it. Yeah, have a good week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod- Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.